what she meant was I'm old, but uh, the, uh, uh, this is a most unusual spring harvest. It has Episcopal bookends. You began with Pete, and you're ending up with me. Uh, that's the trouble with bishops. You, when you need one, you can't get one, and then like the buses, they turn up in pairs. Now, uh, uh, just one uh, bishop's story to uh, get us going, with apologies to those in the Think Zone who've heard this already. Uh, long time ago, when I was a vicar in York, the Archbishop of York, Stuart Blanche, came to preach for us. My good evangelical people were a bit unsure about all of this, you know. You know bishops, can bishops be saved, let alone archbishops? And uh, I see the irony now. And uh, <clears throat> is he going to be some sort of woolly liberal? What's he going to say? So Archbishop Stuart gets into the pulpit. And after his prayer, the first thing he says is this. I sometimes think we know hardly anything about the real Jesus. And all my folks started looking at one another, told you so, woolly liberal, doesn't believe the scriptures. Then he said, I've been studying the Gospel of Mark in the original language. I do it for an hour every morning before I start work. I've been doing it for eight years now. I've got to chapter nine. <coughs> All my people went quiet. And then he said something I've never forgotten. Every time I think I have grasped Jesus, I discover something else that astounds me. Every time I think I've discovered Jesus, I discover something else that astounds me. And we've tried to take you this week to a deeper encounter with the astounding Jesus. And uh, Pete reminded us that he is the source of it all, that Jesus is the gospel. And we dare not even consider having a gospel that is smaller than Jesus. As your vision of Jesus grows, so your vision of the gospel grows. And we've learnt through the week that he is love, so we can be loving. He is hope, so we can be hopeful. He is courageous, so we can be courageous. He is passionate, so we can be passionate. And then, unforgettably last night, he is merciful, so we can be merciful like him. And this morning, it's visionary. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And Jesus alone is the one through whose vision we need not perish, nor need any man or woman who turns to him. Pete reminded us there is no other stream. So Jesus is love, we can be loving. Jesus is merciful, we can be merciful. Jesus is a visionary, we can be a visionary like Jesus. Absolutely not. We can't get over it. I'll give you two good reasons. He is God incarnate, the eternal word made flesh. We're not. We don't need another vision. We can't be visionaries like Jesus. But we can be visionaries in Jesus. It is his vision, not ours, that matters. Uh, he is the visionary. We don't need another one. There isn't another one. There is no other stream. 
But what we need is more of his vision. And brothers and sisters, you and I are in him. We are in Jesus. We are in Christ. Let me read you some verses you know well. 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old, everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. We are in Christ. Christ means anointed one. You do know that Christ is not Jesus' surname, don't you? That his name is Jesus and Christ is his title. And that means Messiah, anointed one. He is the one anointed by the Father to bring the kingdom. And you and I are in him, part of his purpose, part of his vision. Uh, <clears throat> through him, God's promised future is breaking into the world. And as we are in him, it breaks in through us as well. And I'm sorry for those used to earlier translations, but it doesn't actually say, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. It's absolutely true, they are born anew into the kingdom of God. But it's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying, if people are in Christ, then the new creation has begun. It's the evidence there's a new creation. As you go home today, you are the evidence to everyone who lives around you that God has already begun to make his creation new. You are the living evidence that people are in Christ is further proof that the new creation has begun in him. And the gospel is above all creation made new. Uh, <coughs> a Roman Catholic scholar called Hans Kung simply said, the kingdom of God is creation healed. The kingdom is God's future creation, breaking into this present broken one. It's been called the presence of the future. Uh, one writer said, Christ has split the future in two, and part of it is already present. We are part of that new creation. We are part of heaven touching earth to heal the earth. We are part of the answer to the prayer that Jesus taught us, that God's will should be done on earth as it is in heaven. And because there is a new creation, because we are in Christ, we see differently. We're given a new vision from the perspective of being in Christ. Paul says, from now on we regard no one from a human point of view, no person from a human point of view, no place from a human point of view, no set of circumstances, however difficult, from a human point of view. We see the present in the light of the future that King Jesus has already secured. We see by faith because of what Jesus has already done, because of what he promises. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And during this week, and in our nation at the moment, all sorts of people are seeing things differently. 
They are looking at what's in front of them and they're saying, I refuse to believe anymore that it has to be like that. Patrick Regan, I refuse to believe that this is a lost generation of young people. Les Isaacs looked at the streets around his community and said, I refuse to believe they have to stay like that. And now we have street pastors in our streets, uh, club nights and so on. Uh, redeeming our communities refuses to believe that we're stuck with them as they are. The Eden initiatives refuse to believe that deprived estates have to stay homeless. Home for Good refuses to believe that orphaned children cannot have a family. Compassion refuses to believe that children born in poverty have no future. We look at the present and we see it differently because of Jesus. And I invite you in him to be a person of vision who looks at your circumstances, who looks at your, at your home, at your children's school, at your community, at your workplace, at whatever networks or callings you have, and refuses to believe that they have to stay the same. And such vision comes from sharing Christ's vision. And as he is the anointed one, it comes by him anointing us with his spirit. We're not to be visionaries like Jesus because his vision is more than enough. We are to be visionaries in Jesus, the one whom we're told in John's gospel to whom the Father gives the spirit without measure. And he pours out his visionary spirit on us. Acts 2, 33 being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the gift of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. For my remaining moments, come with me to Acts chapter two. Come with me to that day when Jesus poured out the Spirit, the anointed one anointed his people and promised them power and vision. And let's learn together what that gift is. On the day of Pentecost, the crowd gathers. After <coughs> Peter has been able to convince them that they're not drunk, he quotes scripture. What is happening today, he says, and we are still in that today now, is what was spoken long ago through the prophet Joel. Acts 2.17. In the last days it will be, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my slaves, men and women, on those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And just like Jesus in the, temp in the synagogue in Nazareth, who read that scripture about the Spirit of the Lord being anointing him, and then said, today this is fulfilled in your presence. So Peter stands up and says, Joel's great prophecy today is fulfilled in your presence and we are still 
in that day. Everything he says that Joel promised is being fulfilled now except for one thing. This is all until the great and glorious day of the Lord. Christians now live in the last days. And the last days are the whole time between Pentecost and Jesus coming again. And don't let any daft book on the second coming tell you different. <clears throat> we live in this era of the Spirit. We await the Lord's great and glorious day. But until then, all that Joel promised is fulfilled through the pouring out of the spirits. And a bit of it sounds a bit scary. Portents in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, smoky mist, sun turned to darkness, moon to blood. These are not near the end of last day's cosmic phenomena. Whatever again any daft book on the second coming may tell you, I must start behaving myself now. <clears throat> All of it is imagery taken from the Exodus. All of it refers to the plagues or the people of Israel on the mountain and the fire and the smoke and they trembled at the voice of God. It's all biblical imagery about the most significant of times. And what it's saying to us is this. Not strange things will happen to the weather, says he as the wind blows and rocks the tent. <clears throat> Not strange things will happen to the weather, but we live in times of exodus significance. We live in times when God is acting out his redemption in history. In the book of Exodus, God says to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people and I have come down to rescue them. And that first coming is then fulfilled in the great coming of Christ. The Spirit is poured out. And God, if you like, says to his people, I have come down, not just to rescue you, but to bring all my goodness and restoration to my world. It is of cosmic proportions. The sky doesn't have to turn black when in the name of Jesus, hope is given to a hopeless life or a community is transformed or someone comes to know him for the same time. But that is the scale of it. It's an exodus scale event. These things will happen, said Joel and says Peter, in heaven above and on earth below. And what that is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we act in the name of Jesus, under the anointing of the Spirit, to minister the new creation in our circumstances or wherever God may call us to be, heaven backs up what we do on earth. We do things in the mighty name of Jesus who is exalted at the Father's right hand, pours out his spirit, and it's not up to us, it is his power in our weakness. As you go home today, whatever God has put on your heart to be for him or do for him as a result of this spring harvest, heaven backs you up. You are not on your own. Heaven backs what you do on earth. We <coughs> live in these last days, in this era of the Spirit, with God's Spirit poured out, that we might have the vision to know 
how we bear witness to the king and his kingdom where we are. And in this era, the Spirit is poured out, says Joel, says Peter, on all flesh. It's no longer just a special anointing for prophets, priests, and kings, or certain people at special moments. It's for all the people of God all the time. It does not matter whether you are male or female. It's sons and daughters. It doesn't matter whether you are old or young. It doesn't matter whether you are powerful or powerless like slaves. No one is too young. No one is too old. No one is the wrong, wrong gender. No one is too insignificant for the anointing Spirit of God to be poured out to you not just to empower you, but to give you vision. Everyone can receive vision by the Spirit from Jesus the visionary. Everyone can receive vision by the Spirit from Jesus the visionary. Uh, all is offered. Peter says through Joel, it'll be dreams and visions and prophecies and just... Uh, a quick aside to those of us who are Pentecostal and uh, charismatic. Uh, you know, I've been in the charismatic movement for so long, 1966 I come in, I am extremely aged charismatic. Uh, I don't even laugh at hands down for coffee anymore. <coughs> so let's be careful that we do not stereotype the way the spirit envisions by reducing dreams and prophecies and visions to certain standard packages. It does not have to have my children I before it to be prophetic. <clears throat> it doesn't have to be some technicolor thing in your mind the moment you pray to be a dream or a vision. It can creep up on you, it can be a growing conviction. It's much more helpful to think about it as from now on we don't regard anyone or anything from a human point of view. And suddenly you know the Holy Spirit is showing you that something is different from what it appears. Suddenly it is not just that you are seeing something and saying it doesn't have to be like that. Suddenly you realize you are seeing what it can be. You are seeing the future in advance. You're seeing how new creation can change the circumstances. God gives vision to enable us to imagine the future that he intends to bring. And God gives particular vision and pictures and direction. Sometimes just a deep conviction, conviction and knowing that you know that we see the places where he's called us and we see what he wants them to be through his power. He gives the vision that we may imagine the future as he intends it to be. It's not just it doesn't have to be like this. It's it could become like that. And then we learn to trust God for a future we don't yet see. Uh, faith is the assurance of things not seen. And I love Jim Wallace's version of that. Uh, Jim says, faith is believing God despite the evidence and watching the evidence change before your eyes. Believing God despite the evidence and watching the evidence change before your eyes. But please be warned, this is not quick fix change. This is not you see it, you pray for it, it happens. 
Uh, this is not the 60-second kingdom transformation or the 60-minute uh, revival. The Spirit gives equally the sustaining power to hang in there in the places that He has pointed you to or where He's located you for those long, hard times before the change comes. It is as much heaven backing up earth to empower you to stay in there, though still you do not see change, as it is when that wonderful time of change comes. Uh, a colleague of mine, when I was a, a curate and assistant minister, had prayed for his father for 40 years before his dad found Jesus. And his continuing to pray, he's seeing what his dad could be. It's not regarding his dad from a human point of view. That was as much heaven backing up earth as that wonderful day when his dad became his brother in Jesus. It's sometimes you will see something long before the change comes. Sometimes, tragically, we see what God longs what God longs for, and we don't see the change. But we are called to bear our witness, to act in faith. Heaven backs up earth. But the, the final health warning with this is this. This is likely to take you out of your comfort zone. This is likely to take you out of your plans into Jesus' vision your idea of your life and his idea for your life. Uh, two bishops even older than me, they were both in their 80s. Leslie Newbigin, Leslie Allen, retired mission statesmen, used to meet one another in Cambridge every month as friends. And they had this little ritual. One would take it in turns to say, how do you make God laugh? And the other would say, tell him your plans. How do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. He will take you out of your plans into his purpose. He will take you out of your small vision into his greater vision. He will take you out of a vision that is mainly focused on what, on what you see as your needs. And he will say, you are secure in me. I will draw into engaging with the needs of others in my name. On the day of Pentecost, they started in the upper room. When that mighty wind, still going on up there, uh, came, it filled the whole house. We don't know, we're not told how they got out onto the streets, but the next thing we see, they are praising and preaching on the streets. <laughs> the spirit, the visionary spirit of Jesus will take us out of the safety of our domestic lives into the purposes of God for others. They were taken from a local vision to a global one. They began with just Jerusalem. The promise was the ends of the earth. Many of them actually were, were scattered to spread the good news of Jesus. The promise is not just power. The promise is not just Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The promise is power with wisdom the wisdom to know the places where God wants you to be, the vision to see where you are to exercise faith. Uh, but it is also 
a power and a wisdom that may take you from your Jerusalem to Judea, from Judea to Samaria, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. If you are going to be caught up in Jesus the visionary, get ready for life to be on the move. Empowered wisdom to cross boundaries for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you are future in advance people. You are the evidence that creation is already being made new. As you go home, Jesus the visionary wants to give you new eyes. He wants to show you your family as it can be. He wants to show you your friends who don't know him yet as they can be. He wants to show you your neighborhood as it can be. He wants to show you your town as it can be your workplace or place of education as it can be, your career or vocation and your place in it as it can be. He wants to show you a broken earth as it can be. He wants to show you an unjust world as it can be. And he wants to give you the specific vision and calling that you play your part in, in bringing to him moving it from can to is in the name of Jesus. And he wants to call some of you out of your familiar settings to places you have never seen. When I was first in South Africa during apartheid, the greatest horror of apartheid was most of those who benefited it from it never saw what it cost. And when we took our little kids into townships and squatter camps with friends from those places, all the nice white neighbors we had to live by because it was group areas thought we were crazy. <clears throat> but they never saw how their maids and gardeners lived. And it is the heart of Jesus to take some of us who do not see the greatest need to places that we may see it and then be people who say it need not be so. He will take you, some of you, to places you've never seen. In some cases, be warned, it's in Acts 1, to the ends of the earth. In some cases, simply to the other end of your town to see what you did not know was there. Brothers and sisters, he is the visionary. He has vision for all. Pay careful attention to his spirit. Jesus is the source, the only stream, and that stream is now a mighty river for the healing of the nations, and that river flows out through you as Christ gives you the vision. Go home in that certainty. Start believing God despite the evidence, and in his grace, see the evidence change before your eyes. Amen? Amen. Amen.